Hello and welcome to another episode of Roy's Cast. We are your hosts, Johnny Farley and Sam Wright, and joining us today is Dr. Rob Robinson, maritime historian. He's going to be talking about himself, what got him into the discipline, and some of the projects he's working on at the minute. Today's episode is going to be largely led by Sam, because Rob is his second supervisor, so passing over to Sam. Yes, we've seen all the quality work that I've done over the past few years. Indeed. I've had some very useful feedback on that throughout my time, so thanks very much for coming on. Delighted. Lots of stuff to talk about, lots of interesting projects that you're working on. But I suppose the first part of call, really, to use a horrible maritime term, is really how you get involved in, in sort of maritime history, because lots of people, particularly from the local area, recognise you as sort of an expert on the field across BBC programming or local news or the people that come on my tours that talk about how they met you at Hull College. So how did you get into sort of maritime history? Where does that background start? Oh, that's a really intriguing question. I mean... Uh... Two things I would probably mention about the early days was uh, when I come from a seafaring family. My, my family go back uh, seafaring on both sides for generations. Um, I had two ancestors in the 19th century, one on either side of my mother and father's family, who were, were, were in, in whaling ships, a uh, lot of people involved in trawling, great-grandfather, grandfather, father, uh, father's brothers. So a lot of background in terms of that. Grand, a grandfather on the other side, my mother's side, who worked for the National Union Seaman. Uh, his father was uh, uh, Seaman's Union. Uh, he was the secretary of the whole Seaman's Union. So long, steeped history. And as a child, my grandfather used to take me around the old town and introduce me to various aspects of the town, tell me stories. So it was still, when I was a child, just a working uh, port, the old docks there were still uh you know pretty dock and and humber dock was still working he would take me around show me things show me the town tell me stories he'd, he'd learned a lot about the town from from his predecessors including his grandfather who was born back in 1833 so i've got a pretty good background in terms of uh in terms of oral and history and knowledge of the place physically from the family that's one side the other side was really that i was academically very poor at school in that uh, <laughs> I didn't really, I wasn't really what you'd call the best of pupils. Uh, and I left school with two CSE grade fours, no levels, anything like that. And it was only a couple of years after leaving and when I was working in a warehouse uh, that I decided it was about time I ought to start getting educated. And I went through my O-levels, A-levels, onto university and, and so on and so forth. So my background, I suppose, brought me into it from a different angle. I was from a family where traditionally people didn't go on to higher education. So, and uh, that was a you know, different ground for me to break. And also um, it was, I, although my, I got a grandfather and great-grandfather were involved in trade union activity, I wouldn't say that I, I, I got... A, thought about public speaking or speaking in the public so you broke a lot of barriers as far as I'm concerned going through uh, into doing what I'm what I'm doing so that was how I got into it and I naturally orbited towards the sea I think because I did economic read economic and social history passionate about history um, and there were the seafaring themes within it that were for me really useful I was I got to really pay tribute to my former supervisor, Raymond Brown, Mike Brown, as we always knew him, who, who wrote Waterfront History in Hull. And he encouraged me in, in that direction. I also was supervised in the early days by Dr. Tony Michel, who went off to Korea later on. But that gave me the foundation and the background to move on and do what I, what I did, I suppose. So 
in addition to that, obviously, you've got two particularly strong connections to two Hull-based academic institutions. As I mentioned, lots of people mention Hull College, and now they recognise you from either being taught by you at Hull College or working with you at Hull College, but also your strong links to the building that we're in now, which is Blaze, Blaze Maritime Well, Center, yeah, so. I mean, I, mean, I moved my, my, my career, took me from Hull College to Hull University, basically. Uh, after quite a lot of years at the college, I moved across to the university. So, yeah, I've had links across the institutions in Hull. Uh, and there's a tradition, I suppose, of that within Hull, particularly in the history uh, back up. So, yeah. Yeah, so and how did you become involved in, in Blaze? Because you've been involved in Blaze for as long as I've been. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I would already written and published before Blaze House or ever existed. And uh, when David was appointed... Um, David Starkey was appointed uh, to, to the to the university. I worked quite closely with David, and I remember when he was looking for uh, for for a building, you know, almost a suggestion that they ought to have a, a a maritime building of their own within the university. It was me who brought him around one Saturday morning and showed him. I said, "I think this is a really useful site for you," you know, drawing on my background experience of the area. And we came and we looked through the letterbox that day, I remember. Uh, uh, and the next thing you know, the university had acquired it, or rather the Maritime Trust, of course, had acquired it. So that's how we got involved. Uh, and, and that was right from the, the very beginnings. I mean, David didn't know this building existed, I don't think, before I showed him it. A useful team then, you and David, given that you're now collaborating on grilling my <laughs> chapter submissions. <laughs> well, you see, you can't get away from us. <laughs> so I think that gives us people a little bit of background understanding of how yeah. your interest particularly yeah. in, in the local area and in local history yeah. comes on so if we move on to talk about well three topics in particular that we're going to have, have a chat about today just, one point i would add there my particular interest is is the local to the global yeah right i mean not only from the maritime dimension i.e the sea was the first worldwide web and whole people and ships played a major role in that but i'm particularly interested in how local individuals local situations right impact internationally so i'm always been interested in that link from somebody who is from an area or got a background or training whatever impacts that in another part of the world so for me it's local but it's global yeah <laughs> if you know what i mean absolutely yeah, and yeah i think that actually brings us on to one of the three topics pretty well because one of the projects that you've been involved with you know over the past few years but coming up into a publication of a book in, in the next few months time we hope is this is looking at a hundred individuals that have been based locally, either born in in Hull or lived in Hull for a time, that have gone on to make that sort of global impact. So, I don't know if you talk a little bit about that project. Yeah, sure. Uh, we, we we've got a book coming out called uh, the provisional title, and I'm expecting it to be headless, from Agnes to Zebedee, and it's about people from Hull. It's it's called um, the subtitle is it's not. Sort of suggests that they are lesser known. Well, some of them are, but perhaps some of them are better known than than, than some people think. Uh, certainly, in other parts of the world. But it, it's an interesting thing. How this project came about was back in 2014, which seems a very long time ago now. Uh, the then Lord Mayor, um, uh, Councillor Mary Glue, um, she was a centenary Lord Mayor. In other words, back in 1914, Hull had been given um, the office of Lord Mayor. Prior to that, we'd had mayors for back to medieval times, but this was a new office, Lord Mayor. It was a, had a little bit more of a resonance to it. And rather than celebrate this by writing about the 100 mayors 
or 100 Lord Mayors, it, we thought about it by doing about 100 individuals who'd made a contribution. In actual fact, we gave 100 plaques out. In actual fact, as I said, these plaques are actually sometimes to more than one person. So technically, we're talking about more than 100 people overall. But the idea was to give plaques to people, men and women, seafarers and landsmen, whatever, who'd made an, an impact either and they're in, in either this area or in other places and the thing was they were either born in Hull or have some very substantive link to the city and that's what we've done we we, we put together a hundred plaques identified them put these up it takes a bit of time to do that get the permissions and get them up and and have celebrate ceremonies to 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 uh, to un unveil the plaque etc and then on the back of that about 2018 2019 uh i was approached again what projects that i'd completely finished about the idea of producing a book of these um and i it was a very fortuitous thing to do during lockdown i've written up i wrote up the biographies of the hundred people uh, I've finished assembling various different aspects of it and they, these will be incorporated in the book along with the uh, poems which were written at the time of the unveiling of each of the plaque for each of the people by uh, David Oscarby. So uh, these, hundred, uh, these hundred biographies should hit the streets later this year, hopefully. Uh, and as I say, they, they're, they're a whole range of people uh, associated with the town. I think a lot of people would be quite surprised about the breadth and the nature of some of the impacts that people who we talk about have made on the rest of the world. Uh, and also, uh, you know, the impact that they've made off sometimes on the city itself. So that's been a, a quite a rewarding project in whole, all sorts of ways. Restricting it to 100 people was always difficult, but you might think 100 people have made a global impact. You could have trebled, quadrupled that number quite easily. So... Let's see how well our hundred we've chosen go down. So I suppose on on that, how how were the hundred chosen? Because I mean, I know you mentioned in the chat we had before we started recording that there was some it was some local input as well, some local community groups and groups of former trollmen and or skippers and things like that, that were involved in some way of picking some of these names. Yeah, that's true. We 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 did this in a number of ways. I mean, I, I, as a major runner in the project, I selected or put forward to the rest of the group quite a large number, We'd, some of which had already been published in an early book of mine, Far Horizons from Hull to the Ends of the Earth, uh, which had been published back in 2010, uh, which, because some of these people got awarded a plaque. In addition to that, we, we, we approached and talked to various groups. Um, Councillor Glue um, you know, publicised this, and people put forward suggestions, some of which we... We, we, we built on and we took others of which perhaps we, we thought we couldn't include at this stage um, but a lot of them we did uh, we, we also approached certain groups of people uh, we, we, we thought it was very important to have for example people from the seafaring communities in various ways and uh, we got four key hull skippers to canvas other skippers and various people around about selecting four key skippers which we we did do and we've, we've written biographies of those uh, and unveiled the plaques on hesel road which again went down went down well um we did a similar uh, approach with regard to the towing industry and, and we selected uh, uh, captain hopper uh, uh, who is literally one of the last people who's going to have his uh, plaque unveiled quite soon it's just been 
a nature of things that we've look, been looking for an appropriate spot for it. So we've chosen people like that. We've got people from the medical profession. We've got people from, uh, you know, from from uh, entertainment world, people, seafarers, engineers, uh, nurses, doctors, business people, a whole host of different people from different walks of life uh, that come together in the in in this uh, in this book. Uh, and I think one of the things I've always tried to do with this and with the Far Horizons book, which which is what I wrote before, was assemble reminders for the rest of the place about Hull and about about the impact that people from this area have had on the rest of the world. It, it really goes back to about 20 years ago. I used to think I was a bit of a voice crying in the wilderness in this city in some respects, 20, 25 years ago, when it, the, the, there seemed to the city itself seemed to have turned its back on the sea. And I know you'll get people in certain senior positions these days standing up and saying that they were always involved and engaged in trying to promote Hull's maritime history. Well, there were just a small group of us who were actually making, uh, bringing this out on a day-by-day basis. You know, uh, there were several people, you know, but you'll know about the saving of the Arctic Corsair, for example. They, they, they did a wonderful job standing, people like that. Various groups... But it's only more recently where there's been this whole drive to take it forward. And I like to think that Blade's House played a major role in moving that forward. Yeah, and I think it's, it's certainly something that you pick, that, I've, that I've picked up on when I've been taking people on walks yeah. of, around the old town. It's the amount of people that, that locally don't yeah. don't understand or don't, or don't just have I've never really had an opportunity to learn about the people that have made such a massive impact around but, the world. And I think that's what makes sort of the area now so exciting and what's going on. I mean, I'm looking out the window just yeah. across the work at the work that's going on as part of the whole maritime project. Yeah. Who we've had an episode with, so it's it's refreshing to see, as you said, it is. It, it's moved from not really being in the spotlight to now being a major part of what Hull wants to do moving forward. And I think that's a major part. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, for example, we did for quite a number of years for the Civic Society Civic Open Days, and we really stopped it when when the lockdown came along and and the bus company changed hands. We used to run open top. Uh, bus lectures around the town where we get you know we get a, a microphone up on the top deck uh rain or shine on on, uh, on heritage open day go off and give lectures about and, and drive around the town and, and i mention about you know people and who came from that particular neck of the woods whatever and you're right it's always for some people an amazing major surprise to find out about some of the links because we've always been quite good at doing wilberforce um um Andrew Marvel to a, a degree, um, Philip Larkin, uh, you, uh, people like that, uh, Avery Johnson, but people often forget and don't realise it goes much, much further than that. And it's, so it's good to have the chance to bring all these other people into profile and, and mention a bit more about them. And as and, and Hull wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the sea. Uh, and and to to forget about our unique selling point, which 25 years ago we looked like we were going to do, uh, it would have been ridiculous. And it's really good to see how it's been taken forward and driven in the last few years. Yes, yeah, so we encourage everybody to keep an eye out. We will, we will post about the book when it's, as soon as it's released. <laughs> we hope, as we say, later yeah. on this year. But of course it's important to emphasise that it's not just Hull that you're involved in. You're involved in projects that are all across the wide, the wide place that is Yorkshire that we're focusing on with Roy's. And another project that you're involved in currently that, that 
illustrates that is a little bit about the canal system with Market Wheaton and the project that you're involved with a number of other academics. So if you, if you could just talk a little bit about the yeah, Market Wheaton system. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a, a great one of these things where you, you can work very closely with the community groups. Uh, um, the, the, there's a, the, the, there is at the moment being created uh, the, the Market Wheaton Canal Trail. There always has been, or for a long time, a route down the Market Wheaton Canal, but they are reinvigorating the trail, uh, providing notices, signage, but also substantive amounts of information online that you can access and look to go along. So myself with uh, Professor Brianne McDonough and and, uh, and, and and Peter Halcon are, uh, are working on some substantive pieces of work uh, or material that can be used as, as text to go with it. What I've concentrated on is doing the stuff about the history of the canal itself and how it was built, what its function role was, and it has an unusual function for a canal in that um, it both was used for drainage and for navigation, and that is unusual. You know, the, the, the very nature of a canal is that you keep as much water in it as possible. The very nature of drainage is you keep the water level as low as possible to drain as much as the surrounding land. And, and the Market Wing Canal wrestled with those two conflicting conundrums for a long period of time uh, and was quite a successful uh, canal in its own, in its own way and, and partly responsible, of course, for the... Largely responsible, so in many respects, for the, con, uh, for the sort of creation of East Riding's only industrial t- uh, settlement, which was Newport, uh, which was there to build bricks and tiles and much of all these built of bricks and tiles of, of that place. So it, for me, it's been a fascinating project, and I'm sure that my two, uh, two collaborators, or rather the other two people involved, Guy and the academic side of things, have got a similar view because uh, you know this is an it flows to an area steeped in both you know uh, prehistory and and also of course in in the the, the stories of managing the water uh, over a long period of time so it's been a fascinating area of work uh, to be involved in so how does that project come about then we was it and how, how long have you been working? Oh, I've been, I've, well, I've, you see, it's, it's a funny thing, but I've been working with... Uh, I've worked... I've done bits and pieces with Home on Spalding Moor, which is the key driving place in this, for a, a long period of time. In an, in, in, an, in an earlier epoch, when I was writing the Far Horizons book, and we had then had a Far Horizons website, which disappeared uh, uh, um, uh, uh, on, on the site. And... Um, and it was, this was about people who, from Hull again, who'd made an impact in various parts of the world. And one of the stories we had related back then was the story of the Tranby, which was a vessel that was built literally almost outside this window uh, that was used to take some of the first settlers to Western Australia back in 1829. It sailed out of the dock, uh, passed here, and, and, and off to uh, Fremantle took settlers to Western Australia. Long story, but a group of the settlers who settled at Tramby House, which was named after the vessel uh, in Western Australia, still there t- today, uh, planted acorns, which grew into a- oak trees, uh, which still exist. And when these people saw the book, it's a long story, but we ended up one day, a box came through the door here at Blades House addressed to me, and it was full of acorns. Right, which we took down to the market, to the uh, to the uh, to the nursery at the university, 
planted a load there and I planted some at home and, and we got a number of them to grow. I, I managed to get one to grow. Uh, our, our, uh, our adept horticulturalists got, got uh, about 20 to grow. So, so that we, and we gave them to the various villages where the settlers had come from. We did have a couple save for Queen's Gardens, but that's another story. Um, but um, but, but one, one of the places the settlers came from was home on Spalding Moor, and we gave them two of these trees, pieces of living history, you know, trees yeah. that grow, you know, and, and, and I suppose from that time onwards, I've had an engagement to a degree with home on Spalding Moor. I like to think, actually, and I've never been able to prove it, that the that the, the settlers, when they were leaving and they were bringing all their goods and animals and whatever, used a barge to come down the canal and bring it, they must bring it into Queen's Dock, into the dock as it was known then, to unload it directly onto the... It would have been the most logical way to do it. Can't find any record, of course, <laughs> to it, but it's a nice thought. So we so that got me, I suppose, involved with the home on Spalding Moor people, plus the fact I wrote... Uh, sorry, I, uh, I, I taught... Uh, we had a the university we had a, a, a sort of regional local history program and I taught a module about the East Riding of Yorkshire, its transport and various things. So there, there are a lot of reasons why I got engaged, I suppose, with that project. And I suppose it's, an, it's another example of, of a local community wanting more ways to get to sort of interact with that history. Oh, that yeah. Surrounds them. It's, it's that appetite that we said, that, as we said with, with Hull a few moments ago, that is really catching on now in, in an appetite that... that you know, we as impositions that we're in get to try and feed with with stuff that we can research and things like that. It is indeed. I mean, it, it's people have got you know caught the bug. You know, and they just just want to know. I'm pleased to say, just the the nitty gritty of what a place is. But want to know its links, its what, what and, and various other aspects. I mean, one of the fascinating ones for me doing the market wing canal thing. You're always surprised when you do these things. Uh, bricks that were loaded at Broomfleet, right, uh, and brought into Hull. Uh, were then transported on at one stage to, to to South America, which is fascinating. You know, so when you think about the global and the trading links between these sort of things, so so yeah, it, it, people have got passion and interest, uh, and people like the it's great. You get the exercise, you get out into the country. It takes us back to the days of W. G. Hoskins and the making of the English landscape, because as you're going along, you can be recounting these tales about what was happening on this canal, why it was built in this particular way, uh, why this bit was abandoned before that part, you know, what goods they carried, what the people did. Yeah, it's fascinating, and you can add so much to the story by making people more aware or having the resources available to make people more aware of, of how this area developed in, in, in earlier times. So I think what, one thing that springs to my mind, talking about you know the links that we've got locally that go over the globe, is your unique position of being able to tell people much further afield about links that bring people back here to the <laughs> UK in your wonderful capacity as a resident historian aboard cruise ships. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think <laughs> another one of the other many things that people talk very complimentary, very complimentary about you when I meet them on on guided walks is 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 Rob on a cruise ship right now. <laughs> so I think so. But it's but it's a fascinating job, and it, yeah. it, it it was something that until I until I met you and got to work with you that I didn't ever really consider that was it was something that that was a job that existed, but. In conversations with you since then, it realises actually how how much of an appetite those people, even on board those ships, have for history that's not just where they are in the current place on the globe, yeah. but also, you know, we talk here about linking abroad, but also yeah. when you're abroad, linking back to where... 
That's right. I mean, I, 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 I've got to be really careful on these ships because I, I can do it to the extent to be boring, but I am a one-man ambassador sometimes on a ship, I think, for East Riding and Hull. Uh, I, I tend to be on, on ships which... Uh, uh, which have a large amount of American passengers, colour of the globe. And they're great ships because they're not enormous. I'm not going to give the name of the company, but, they, uh, but they're big, they, they have a big interest in what they call enrichment and the passengers who come on board look for that. So I, I talk a lot about the sea, about interactions, about links, etc. and quite often feed people from, about, from Hull in it. I mean, being a global uh, historian in some respects, having these, doing about these global links uh, and, and, and does not does not do me any harm in terms of organising that. But yeah, it's something I got into, in a sense, by accident. Uh, and it developed. And I, I, once I retired from the university, I got asked to do a lot more of it. I mean, in the, I would imagine I've sailed around the world equivalent of two and a half to three times. I would think over over the... I have actually technically been all the way around the world, but I mean, in terms of the amount of distance across the seas I've travelled. But I have covered much of the world on these travels uh, and I think it comes back to that area of being able to use history and saying that the sea is the first world wide web and people and ships uh, you know opened up the world the global story uh, and this is it's been a very fascinating and rewarding and unexpected if you look at it in the long term thing thing to do uh, uh, I've just come back from I've been around the world in 34 days really uh, I mean I'm, I haven't I haven't uh, sailed around the world in that time, but I, I crossed the Pacific and uh, in, in that time, and also flew to both sides, to and from both sides of the Pacific. So did cover a fair amount of the world, and it, it is interesting, and it does allow you to take history that bit further, and it does allow you to assemble reminders of this particular area in some, you know, amongst people who perhaps have never been to this area uh, in their lives. Well, I think, and you know, we as fellow colleagues that work at Blades House, we often get little treats that are sent to us via email. For example, links to Blades when you were crossing over this past thing, and particular images that appear behind a bar. I don't know if you can talk about that's, the links That's there. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when you, 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 you take yourself off to uh, English Harbour, you know, Nelson's Dockyard in Antigua, a World Heritage Site, and behind the bar there, they've got the plans of HMS Boreas, Nelson's command in the Mediterranean, and HMS Boreas ble- Blades of Hull. Uh, it's a, an interesting uh, reminder of where we are and where we've been and our impact. Yeah, again, and exactly, it brings you back to what we were talking about in, in the in the first point, really, about showing this. It's it's another reminder of, of this yeah. global impact that yeah. that this particular area and, and you, you know Yorkshire people, Yorkshire businesses throughout history have made yeah. around you know around the world. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a global thing. Yeah. So returning back yeah. to the Yorkshire coast, which is. A major part of your own research and i think we can maybe the final sort of topic we want to cover with yeah. you is, is is your wider project that looks at the maritime history of the yorkshire coast and it's something that you've been involved in for a long time yeah and lots of different research outputs that you've had have, have fed into that project so i don't know if you can talk a little bit more about that wider project that you work on yeah I'm, I'm i'm fascinated when i talk about the yorkshire coast i mean really i'm talking about the traditional yorkshire coast the historical yorkshire coast i'm talking about the yorkshire coast between the mouth of the humber and the mouth of the Tees. Uh, and over the years, I've been involved in various aspects to do with that. My, my PhD thesis back in the day was about 
the Yorkshire coast fishing industry, not about the whole fishing industry, the Yorkshire coast fishing industry, and was also, um, and I also wrote a book about the Yorkshire coast fishing industry. I've written about the ports and harbours on, on the Yorkshire coast. Uh, and much more recently, uh, I, in my book, Fishermen and the Great War, from Liverpool University Press uh, was um, was was about the 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 uh, the role of the fishing industry in the Great War around all the coast and Yorkshire coast featured quite strongly on that. I worked closely with and, and, and a few just a few years before I retired on the Holdenhurst Coast Fisheries Local Action Group, which was which uh, 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 was promoting the fishing industry and tourism and various other aspects of the coastal work and helped create. In fact, I chaired the working party that created the. Uh, the um, the maritime trail around Bridlington, uh, Bridlington Harbour, etc. And it was a fascinating thing. Great to be involved and harness the passions of locals, artists, you know, uh, writers, uh, the council, the uh, the trustees of the harbour commissioners, various people. It was a great thing to be involved in. And I pulled all it together, and I want to take it. I want to take it further. I've done work at various times, bit of work on smuggling, bit of work on various other aspects. And I've got the, I say the, le- the leisure time, that's untrue, I haven't got leisure time because I'm always busy, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm putting together a maritime, I'm, built, I'm writing a maritime history of the Yorkshire coast. I'm doing this at my own pace, I'm doing this in my own way, because I'm not constrained by any uh, outside funding agencies or anything like that. Uh, I'm also walking the entire Yorkshire coast as part of this. I've walked most of it. I've, I mean, I've done most of it before, but I'm, I'm doing it now and photographing it as I'm as I'm doing it, uh, and, and and putting together what I hope eventually will be a maritime a history of that sort of engagement of that coastal strip uh, with the sea and with the engagement between sea and land on both sides and it goes through the ages as far as I'm concerned it'll go right up to the present day uh, in terms of looking at extraction you know minerals further up the coast looking at, uh, at the uh, the wind farms various different aspects of it but I want to put it in its wider and longer context and I want to use it to be able to not only explain from my personal point of view my passion with the sea and all things literal to do with the coast but also to be able to help people engage with the whole Yorkshire coast as an entity it's not about the Humber it's not about the Tees it's about the coast uh, and it, it, it's it's a fascinating thing to do I want to be able to pull together the geography the physicality uh, the, what I know, with what I know of the archives and what more work I'm doing on the archives so I haven't got a finishing date for this I haven't got a starting date for it I haven't got a publisher for it but it's something I'm working up in my own way and will use and take forward at the various stages as I do I've done the odd presentation on bits and pieces of it that I've done so yeah for me that's a fascinating thing to be involved in and I suppose it's 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 a good example of it being of the passion that drives it's not just yeah, you know we're not we're not just doing out different projects and things because we're funded by various people. Or it's it's the passion that drives that, and it's yeah. you know whether it's from local community groups that have a passion to, to display their history in a way, but also from yeah. academics that have worked in this field for for as long as as, as you have, and like people like David Starkey. Yeah, but it's still passion that drives oh that interest. I think that's very much the case. I think it's 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 a curiosity and a passion. So it's a curiosity for what's there, how it all comes together, linked with the fact that you like conveying that information. 
uh, to others and, and, and exciting and infecting them. Uh, and many people are already infected. They just don't always realise to the extent that they are or don't always realise the different dimensions of it. So that's where I'm working on it. it, it it's, it's big, as you can imagine, because it's got so many different dimensions to it. And I've got to, I will have at some stage to pull it down into a, 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 into a workable uh, structure, uh, which I've got a, a broad idea on. Um, but I'm not at that stage yet, and I'm not worried about not being at that stage because I'm doing this is in and around other work that I'm doing, um, and I'm doing it at the pace and in the way that I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So and it's you know another another way that we get to you know the real the real privilege of doing all this stuff is helping others engage yeah. with our history as well, which which I think is what we've you know, was one of the one of the driving forces behind behind the podcast and, and what we were doing with the conference yeah, is, is is you know, helping people that have that appetite to learn but maybe don't have access to the things that we've had as academics or things like that. Helping be that connecting point. I think that's absolutely right. And I think what you do is is fantastic. I think it really it's it, it's another way of infecting people, of making people realise just what's out there. And and it's that what's important about it is the way of taking what can to some people from the outside appear a very tight and esoteric uh, subject and put it across in a way where other people can grasp it, see the fundamentals of it and, and use it and, and explain what you are doing in language and in ways that other people can understand. Yeah, and I think so that's the driving force behind what we want to do here and, and it's great that we get guests on that, that sort of share that passion as well and it's well, I think and, what you're doing you're taking it forward I think yeah, that's great that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. so well I think that's we can leave it there so I think so thanks very much Rob for coming out I suppose if people delighted if people want to to follow the many books that you're going to come out with in the next few years <laughs> um, where well, can they find you uh, well they can they can always find me on Facebook they can always find me on Twitter uh, you can usually find out quite a bit if you look online you'll see some of my publications uh, 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 around and um, look enough now and again to appear on the TV and some of the programmes get repeated that often I don't even know that they're coming back on <laughs> and I suppose they might even bump into you on a, on a passage across the Pacific or something they like that occasionally they could do I occasionally bump into people from the area on, on, uh, in various places yeah yeah as well oh, great yeah and uh, just a, a final word from Roy's we are still accepting papers for our conference this year the deadline for the call papers is still the 1st of May so you've got plenty of time to submit and uh once that closes, admission will start to open then. So look forward to seeing many, many people there this year. Yeah, so thanks everybody for listening and thanks Rob for coming on. Delighted. And, and we'll catch everybody on the next episode of Royce Cast.